911 emergency. State your emergency. I have a national emergency. What is your national emergency, sir? The wall is coming. The wall is coming. You ready for some coffee, honey? Absolutely. I'll pour. Great coffee. I'm Dr. Ron Martinelli. And I'm Linda Martinelli. And we are Talking While Married. President Trump declared a national emergency on the wall. And it's about time. Yes, because Congress were fools and didn't give him anything that he wanted, didn't give the American people what we voted for him for, and he's going to do it his own way. And he has the authority to do it. However... Well, they are going to fight them all the way, right? 14 states have already jumped in to fight this wall that President Trump wants to build. And and guess where that next phone call is going to be? Well, I have no idea. To the Ninth Circuit. Well, and then after that, hopefully the United States Supreme Court will come in here and take care of a lot of this. This has to be this has to be done now. Okay, we've had enough of this as an American people. Uh, the, the spin is ridiculous. It gets worse every day. You know, uh, Beto O'Rourke is telling people that maybe what we need to do is tear down the entire southern border. Well, and then the clones in Congress and the clones running for president jump on that same bandwagon. It's like they all just just are clones one of the other. They wear the same clothes. They jump on the same subjects. They use the same talking points. And that's what they're all doing. So now they've got all these presidential candidates saying, oh, yes, I agree. Really? What about our national security for this country? You know, one of the things that I have been watching on television that makes me furious is we have these poor angel mothers that have got the guts enough to make themselves seen in public in Washington, D.C., and in other places, such as, um, you know, some of the offices of these uh, congressional uh, members outside of Washington, D.C., and they are asking them questions. They are hitting them up in public, showing pictures of their murdered children, and what's disgraceful is that uh, in in the halls of Washington, D.C., I think in one of the congresswomen's offices, I don't know if it was Nancy Pelosi or who, they called the Washington police on him. You know, yeah, that I was mean, an angel dad that was trying to see Nancy Pelosi and have her get the true facts from their point of view. And her sign on the outside of her office is to welcome everybody they called the police on these people to have them escorted out. That's just disgraceful. Well, you know, that's the elite liberal ruling party. That's what they are. Now, listen, I know that you've got some statistics because you and I have been going back and forth on statistics with the wall, and I know you have the most current ones. Well, I think it's really interesting um, because, you know, we, we get statistics via the news all day, every day. And so many of those stats are wrong, and people are believing in what they hear from the news. And the the worst offender, as far as a big news organization, is CNN. By far, there's um, a news reporter there besides uh, Acosta Acosta called Brian uh, Karam, who absolutely is 
disgraceful with his false statistics. Well, you know, Karam's been around even before Acosta, and well, he's sure. had a lot of problems over the years. I remember him uh, giving uh, Bush the Elder a hard time many years ago. So he's he's the Jim Acosta back from the uh, the 90s. Well, he is, and he's got just a lot of fake news. In fact, he started a fake news story on uh, Justice Brett Kavanaugh about a false claim about sexual abuse. And the police department at the time came out and said, no, 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 no. We have no such story, no such claim. So this guy is no news, no new person to false news. But let's talk about how much this illegal immigration really costs us and where we're really at right now. I'm really interested. So President Trump was asking for five point what seven eight billion something like five point seven billion dollar wall to build the wall right to date this year and we are only right now as we speak we're in February mid February um, sure. the illegal immigration has cost this nation thirty four billion dollars wow, we're that, that's asking just absolutely amazing. for five point seven billion to give us a break on this. There's your money that pays for the wall in a heartbeat, and right? You know, and yeah, and we have over 26 million illegal aliens in the United States from all over the world. So it isn't just you know Mexico and Central America. There are people here from all over the world, and a lot of people that have overstayed their visas. Yes. Okay. So you have to call them illegal aliens well, because if you sure. if you overstay your visa you're in the United States without our permission and against our laws. Right. So there's more than one kind of illegal alien um, but we're trying to put a a lid on some of this from happening. And you know the the other the other thing that's really true is the difference is uh, as has been pointed out the type of people coming over now as opposed to the type of people that came over 20 years ago is dramatically different we're in a different era with terrorism with um the fact that our country is now paying these people for everything for their schooling for their housing for their welfare for all types of things where we didn't have that back you know when we were growing up we didn't offer that so so people are coming in droves but here's another fact in the last two years Illegal immigrants have killed 4,000 of our American citizens. Now, there was a picture that I saw on the news of people, Democrats in Congress and in the Senate, holding up pictures of people that were killed by guns, okay? Okay. And they make a big deal about wanting to get rid of our guns, yet they don't address this at all, that 4,000 Americans were killed by illegal aliens in the last two years. That is five a day, Ron. You know, it's absolutely uh, ridiculous that we even have to have this discussion, Linda, and and we have to have a, a national discussion about this. I do not understand what has happened to the American citizen out there, to the, to, to the normal people? Now, you know, we call ourselves patriots and common sense conservatives. And, of course, we have a lot of friends and colleagues that are just like us. But I'm just talking about the average, everyday American blue-collar worker, uh, people going to school, people working, uh, people in uh, light industry, things like that. Uh, people that live in the suburbs, people that live in high-density high housing, people that live uh, in the urban 
areas and, and people that live in flyover uh, states. What do these people think about this? How can we allow the all of the problems associated with people crossing over the border and drugs crossing over the border uh, happen in this country? Why aren't people unified about getting these people out of our country, getting the drugs out of our country, reducing the violence levels in our country. You know, and you and I really wonder about that a lot, and I don't think that we have an answer. I mean, it's definitely definitely politics. We're so divided with politics that it's absolutely blinding people to the truth. But the other thing that's blinding people, Ron, is the constant uh, mantra of the media that is spreading fake news and saying that all of this conversation that we're having right now is not correct. So I want to give you some more perspective on just how bad it is with the illegal aliens. One half of all federal crimes are committed by um, illegal aliens, and 26% of all federal prisoners are illegal aliens. And the reason that that is so profound is that only 7% of the population is illegal aliens. That's right. And, you know, I have the California stats. And so you're saying 26% in federal prisons, but I want to let you know that over 40% in California prisons are all illegal aliens. Well, I mean, it's just it's just amazing. And when um, they hear these stats, so when the media and people like CNN hear these stats, they say right out loud to the people that, we're lying about them. No, no, people this can, is... People can look these up themselves. Absolutely, they can. You know, for instance, the, the statistics that you're talking about can be found uh, through the United States Department of Justice, and the California statistics can easily be found by querying the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation, okay, and Department of Justice and the National Institute of Justice. And they can query the Border Patrol site, and they can get a daily running total of how much we're spending on um, the war on illegal immigrants. You know what? You're exactly right. And I think the easiest site to remember is going to the federal site, which is the Department of Homeland Security, DHS. And they have got a running total. You can watch it. A running total of uh, the amount of illegal aliens, the amount of crime, and the amount of money that illegal aliens are costing us right. in, in the federal government. So so the so far, the $34 billion that we've spent just this year is bigger than the entire um, national gross budget of Iceland. It's a huge amount of money that we are spending on uh, free housing, free welfare, free schooling, free medical for all of these illegals. And when you talk about what President Trump was asking for, I mean, it's a drop in the bucket. No, you know, you're exactly right. And, you know, just just to put things in comparison and and to contrast them, when Barack Obama was, was president of the United States, do you remember how many billions of dollars that he gave in cash and negotiable bonds. They were cash. Yeah. They flew them in to our C-130s biggest enemy. to our biggest enemy, which is Iran. And it was $155 billion. Do you remember the pictures of the pallets yes. of cash? Yeah. It took that, more than one plane. Oh, it did. Yeah. And they secretly flew it over to Iran, $155 yes. billion to our enemy. And we can't even cough up you know, $5 billion to secure our border and, and our security and the sovereignty of this nation. 
Right. And since the since that beginning of the year, another additional 26,000 have made it over the border without being caught and are, you know, lost in America somewhere. So that's more people that we'll be supporting. How many more people have to be attacked in this country and killed by uh all different ways, drunk drivers, robbers, people accidentally picking up guns and shooting people in San Francisco. How many more people do we have to lose? Well, no, and I, and I agree 100% with you. And one of the things that we're, that we're having a problem with right now, Linda, is, you know, we've sent a lot of officers, you know, down to the border, not just the Border Patrol, but uh, Governor Greg Abbott here in our Republic of Texas has sent 500 uh, state troopers down there from from the Department of uh, Public Safety. But what's going on is that while our law enforcement personnel, including our Border Patrol agents and our federal agents, are um, catching people, for instance, swimming across the Rio Grande River mm-hmm. and you know uh, trying to breach our poorest parts of the border, while they are all locked up doing that, the drug dealers. And, you know, and the arms dealers and the quiotes and everything. And the child traffickers. And the, and the child sex traffickers are finding other areas sure. because our personnel are all locked up. And then it's a game of attrition because what happens is once we catch them, we don't release them anymore. We have to put them in these detention facilities. And those are the detention facilities, remember, that the, that the Democrats put on the bill that they actually didn't want an increase in beds. They wanted a A decrease decrease in beds. So why would they want a decrease in beds, do you think, So we have to release these people into our American society. That's right. And you know what? Only 2% show up in court. Yes. Well, besides the uh, news media giving out all their false information... We also have these presidential candidates now who have decided that they want to get rid of the wall, right? And Beto O'Rourke starts this, and he said, you know, he'd, he'd tear down the wall between El Paso and Juarez, Mexico. Correct. Juarez, Mex- Mexico being one of the most dangerous places uh, probably in the world. So just very recently in Juarez, they're right over the border of El Paso. Um, there was a shootout between the Mexican police and the cartel. And 30 people were killed in that shootout. What do you think would happen, Ron, if we had no wall there? No, but really, they have a border fence there is what they have. But what do you think? I mean, you don't think that those people would be flying into the United States willy-nilly? I mean, we... I mean, that gunfight could have taken place right right uh, on our side of the border. Sure. Instead of Juarez, especially if the police were chasing them. Right. And and they chased them over to our side on the border and there was still gunfire. And don't forget, you and I have been to El Paso many, many times and you can spit and hit Juarez, Mexico from there. Well, sure. And and what where do you think those bullets are gonna go? Oh, they're, right? they're how gonna about go those right bullets coming across people. coming across the freeway, which is what's there. Okay, the ten freeway separates Mexico from uh from uh the United States and El Paso. How about people on our side of the border getting hit by that? So what the hell is uh, Beto O'Rourke thinking about uh, tearing down that wall all the way across that southern border. And, and you know what? And very few people take him on. And nobody in the mainstream media takes him on. As a matter of fact, I think there was some sort of Hollywood uh, personality that was actually encouraging him. I saw it on television. Well, of course the Hollywood people would do that. Um, but but what they also are saying is that the drugs are coming over through the ports of entry. Well, how... 
mindless do you have to be to understand that the drugs that they catch are coming through the ports of entry. The drugs that they don't catch are going around the ports of entry. Right. And, and, and here's the thing. And you got to kind of, uh, you don't even have to be in law enforcement. All you have to do is just put think. your, put your, <laughs> yeah, think, think, put your logical hat on. At the ports of entry, we stop every vehicle. <laughs> Okay. Yes. Yeah. We have drug dogs around every vehicle. We we have uh, cameras, cameras, everywhere. thermal energy mm-hmm. readers. Come on, anybody that's that's been past a border area uh, inside the United States or been through a port of entry knows that. Of course, we're going to catch drugs there. All right, but the vast majority of drugs that are that are um, that are not apprehended. Are going where in the poorest areas of the border, right, right into our kids and our our people's uh, bodies that are Listen, killing tens of thousands of us a year. One one other thing that was really interesting that you told me was that uh, that Beto O'Rourke, um, of course, he had his his uh, little rally, little rally there, but emphasis um, on the word little. So he his was very small, but yeah. And you told me something very interesting about the demographics that were at Trump's campaign. Yeah, and, and I got it from the RNC, the Republican National uh, Committee. And when people signed up online to get a ticket for the Trump rally, okay, they had to put some information in there that was vetted by the RNC. And, and, you know, your name and your address and your telephone number. Well, the RNC is able to find out by querying the databanks who you are and where you're from. Okay, in other words, what political party you're from. And, you know, you would have thought that 75 or 80% of those people would have been Trump supporters, but they weren't. Only 25% were listed as registered Republicans. That's amazing to me. Over 50% of the people that were at the Trump rally were Democrats. And then about 25% of those people were independents or libertarians, and 20, 25% had not registered to vote. Okay. okay? So uh, look what that means. It was very diverse. Uh, I mean, yeah, it not, not only is it very diverse, but it tells me, maybe this is just speculation on my part, but the way I kind of read the tea leaves is that... The Democrats, at least in O'Rourke's district, are scared, okay? They're scared, and they're scared of him. And they want to know what Donald Trump has to say and how Donald Trump is going to help national security because they're right on the border, right? okay? They get it before anybody else gets it. Hey, so let me take a deep breath and get another cup of coffee. How about you? I'm Dr. Ron Martinelli. And I'm Linda Martinelli. As former law enforcement officers, we know that your life and the lives of those you love and work with can change in an instant when you encounter an active shooter. Unfortunately, in today's world of uncertainty, encountering an armed active shooter can have deadly consequences. That's why the key to survival is training and preparedness. And that's why we want to invite our listeners to seriously consider taking our response to active shooter training course. Violence can happen to you anytime and anywhere and when you least expect it. Having a response and survival plan and engaging it can be the difference between life and death for you or a family member. Our response to active shooter courses are customized for the corporate, school, church, restaurant, and small business environment at a reasonable budget that fits your needs. So don't put this life-saving training off because you don't think it will ever happen to you. We call those people 
victims. Our response to active shooter instructors are all nationally renowned tactical law enforcement experts who will guide you through the life-saving protocols you'll need to survive an active shooter event. So be a victor, not a victim. Go to responsetoactiveshooter.com to learn more today. Remember, that's all one word, responsetoactiveshooter.com, and be safe out there. Hey, did you hear and see uh, New York Governor uh, Cuomo crying in his beer about all the rich people leaving the state of New York? Well, imagine our surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it appears that they've got something that they call SALT, and I didn't really know what it was, but it it stands for state and local taxes. Well, everybody has those. Yeah, but not like New York, okay? There's a couple of states that do, but not like New York. And so Cuomo's crying because all of a sudden they've realized a 2017 to 2018 reduction in overall revenue of, check this out, $2.3 billion. Well, not only that, but the year before that, there was a reduction too. So effectively, we went from, uh, they actually went down about 5 billion overall. And and they're down into the 3 billion something range. They were in the 8 something range. So um, their policies of overtaxing the earners of money. Well, we say called tax the rich, tax the rich. Tax the rich. Yeah, who bring the jobs, who, you know, Support the, the economy, companies. right? And they taxed them into oblivion, and they left. And they and and they're still leaving. And so it's actually pretty interesting to find out that uh, in uh, I guess about ten out of every one thousand residents are leaving the state of New York. But that's every single day. So ten and ten and ten and ten, sure. and that's just just normal residences that aren't. That, that that are residents that isn't businesses and things like that and of course they just missed that huge opportunity i mean billions of dollars with amazon that was going to come into the queens which is you know uh, alexandria ocasio cortez's district and they were going to bring twenty five thousand jobs at an average of one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year just imagine not only the money from Amazon, I mean, just to those workers, but all the infrastructure, uh, the building that would have taken places, the restaurants, the car dealerships, uh, you know, you name it. Everybody in the city of New York, not to mention the state of New York, would have profited by that. Well, sure. And they've they've really chased all these people out. And, you know, Ron, uh, a few years ago when we were deciding where we were going to move um, on our way out of California... One of the places that we seriously uh, thought about was going to Nashville. We love Nashville. We love the surrounding area, like the country music scene. Um, vibrant, love, vibrant city, it, yeah, beautiful small ranches. Small city, li- like that. Yeah, it's right. very, very nice. Um, but f- for our, our own reasons, we chose Texas, and that is where we are. And I'm glad we did. By and the I'm way, glad we, we did just too. Absolutely but, love the Republic of Texas. You know, I, and I'll just say that this is just the the last true bastion of freedom uh, in the United States, in my opinion. And we love it that way. But what we still love Nashville. But what we did see in Nashville was tons and tons of New York citizens moving to Tennessee. Well, you know, I remember when we went into that very nice uh, suburb about 20 miles Franklin. out. Franklin. Franklin. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, about 20 miles outside of uh, Nashville. 
beautiful place where we're looking at some ranches. We saw some beautiful ranches is right in our price range. We walked in, you know, we parked the car, remember, on the main street, mm-hmm. a very tony main street. And we walk into the first uh, real estate place and the place was packed with people. We couldn't even get anybody to serve us, you know, and, and ask questions to. And they were all from New York City. Right. So I thought that was just amazing. But you know what? Let's transition. We've been talking about New York, but we just brought up California. So let's talk about what's going on in our former state of California. Well, in 2017, 130,000 people left uh, California. They fled, and 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 over half of those people, uh, 63,000, uh, 174 moved to where? Texas. That's exactly right. However, I would just like to say for the record. That if you're liberal, just stay in California. Please. Yeah, don't don't bring your California. Yeah, we BS don't need your politics over we here. Don't, we don't. Need We're that. doing very well without it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and and Linda, this was just incredible. I didn't even know this, but between 2006 and 2014, California has lost one million residents. Okay, one million residents. That's a net loss. That's right. Yeah. And and you know what? I want to just bounce back for a second. I'm going to bounce back and forth between California and New York. But going back to New York in 2017, 63,722 people fled New York for the state of where? Florida. Good for you. And the, the reason is because these are states that don't have income tax for state income tax. That's correct. And that's where people want to go. That's and correct. And these guys in California and in New Jersey and in New York need to learn that this is how you keep good working people that build economies. So what we have in these states, as Mario Cuomo has just really come to realize is, oh my gosh, our policies have chased all the money earners out. And and let's talk about, speaking of money earners and speaking of corporations, let's talk about, uh, in the last nine years, 13,000 businesses have fled California. 13,000. And in 2017 alone, 1,800 businesses fled the state of California and 299 are where? In Texas. You're damn right. And why? Because Texas, as far as from California, Texas is very, very business friendly. They want to do business here. They they appreciate business. In California, I have to say, you know, that all the years we did business in California, and you and I often commented, it was a huge frustration for us. They hate small businesses there. They don't want anything to do with us. They don't legislate anything in our favor whatsoever. All of the policies that they have don't favor small business, yet the small businesses are the engine of America. No, you're absolutely right. And and just a couple of things to, you know, to to put in perspective there. I'm glad you brought that up. The first thing I want to talk about is workers' compensation. What we pay, and I'm, t- I'm just going to talk about me for a minute in my business, my administrative assistant who basically sits at a desk and, you know, does the logistics for all our experts and does casework and th- you know, she basically she sits at a desk with some computer screens in front of her and workers compensation insurance for her 600 bucks a year uh here in texas it's like 35 45 bucks can you imagine that no i i have to tell you because i'm the one that paid the bill you're way off her workman's comp was far more than that was it really yeah 
Oh, I'll be darned. How much was yeah, it? Yeah, I it was it was I I it was a lot. It was a thousand or seventeen hundred or something. What? I, yeah, it was a lot. Okay, well then I and, then and I, by the uh, way, the I state of it. the state of California screwed it up so much that we, we they, they had our figures wrong so many times that it was a giant mess because they cannot uh, do bookkeeping in California to save their life. So anyway, I, I don't even know at this point, but I'm not sure where you get the 600 figure, but my, my memory is that it was more. Um, but yeah, it's everything is just easier to do in Texas. We don't have all the red tape that we had in California. Right. Well, you know, let me wipe the egg off my face for a minute because <laughs> I happened, I guess apparently I was so wrong, but here's something I'm not wrong on because I went with you when we went, when you fired that person, uh, you know, from your company for theft. Okay. And she was embezzling money from you and she was literally using your credit cards your business credit cards to buy all sorts of stuff for her and members of her family and then just to pour salt into the wounds she was using your ups account to ship all those packages of things that she she had purchased off the company credit card and you dismissed her and she fought you and she went to what she went get? for unemployment. She wanted to get unemployment. And what the judge said, I'll never forget it, um, wouldn't even let me talk, said, I'm sure she's, she was an excellent employee and unemployment granted. You uh, forget that she stole from me, never reimbursed me, n- nothing. The, I mean, it, it's such a sad joke. You know what? In Texas, they would have probably been looking for a tree. Okay. And no, don't say that. Get a rope. No, they don't say <laughs> don't say that. But but they they absolutely you know we've never had to deal with it in Texas. Because, Get a rope because we, we we don't actually let people go very often. So well, that's you know, true. Luckily, we have we have very very good employees. You know, but let's talk about some of those companies that have left the state of California because they're not small ones. Okay, so Toyota, right? Toyota. Toyota. Okay, where did they go, Linda? <laughs> Texas. That's right. They went to Dallas. And Carl's Jr., they went to Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, actually, they looked at Texas for a good long time, and they chose Nashville. Probably they, for the country music. Yeah, this, this, <laughs> the same decision we had to make, right? And then speaking of car dealerships, let me say this one right, Nissan. Yep. And uh, Nissan also went to Nashville. Yep. Okay, so I'm sure the, the, the heads, heads of uh, Nissan are over at Luke Bryan's place having a beer <laughs> right now as we speak. And then... Uh, Jamba Juice came to Texas. Occidental Petroleum, and this is, you know, no surprise here, came to Texas. And Numera Bioscience Corporation went to Salt Lake City, Utah. These are all major corporations that used to be spending their money and have employees in California. Well, and Toyota. not now. Toyota actually... Uh, they did move to the Dallas area. Actually, they they moved outside the Dallas area, not to Dallas itself. Where was it? Plano. Where, where Plano, did they go? I believe. Yes, but and, and that is also where um, Intel is. But a lot of their employees also came to to near our area to right. San, San Antonio, Antonio area, right? And uh, because they have opened, Toyota has opened a number of different locations within Texas, and uh, really, it's it's creating a big boom here in Texas. Well, it all goes to show that you just can't do these more socialistic programs and these taxations 
to people and corporations. Well, Ron, I saw a young man on television who uh, lived in Venezuela his entire life, and he was part of the elite in Venezuela. He came from a well-to-do family, um, grew up that way. Everything was good. Then you have Maduro who comes in there and he, he, he turns it into a socialist country and the country just really goes to hell in a handbasket very quickly. Well, his name, uh, Daniel DiMartino, he, uh, like I said, he grew up there and he saw what socialism did to his country and where they were making a lot of money by the time that he and his family got out of there, they were subsisting on $2 a day. Um, they had lost everything. Uh, there was power outages constantly. And don't forget, $2 a day, and he was in the elite group. Wow. And you know, I can't, even, I can't even imagine. You know, I heard uh, not too long ago that the average Venezuelan was making like about a buck a day. And one of the huge things that happened to Venezuela under socialism is they had to close down all their breweries. Oh, dear. There was almost sheer riots throughout the country. And, and it looks like there's a lot of riots going on now, but you just can't take people's beer from them, for God's sakes. Well, the thing that I found so interesting about this young man is he said that he sees the same parallels between what they told the people in Venezuela and what this New Green Deal, or I call New Green Manifesto, is. He said, they told us all it would be all right, and that's what they're telling you. Don't believe it for a minute. Don't buy into this. Uh, don't go in this direction. It is the worst thing that you could possibly do. So, you know, people need to listen to people in the know about socialism. It's not a better place to be. It's not a panacea. It's not something that is going to give you something for nothing. It's going to take the entire country down um, to a second or a third world country. And you know who's going to be happiest about that is countries like China, who can't wait for us to be there. This is such a bad thing, and we have to resist this with everything that we have. These presidential candidates who are saying that this is a good deal and back it, um, run as far and as fast as we can from them because they are dangerous, dangerous people for America. Well, you know, the problem, and I'm going to repeat this, we've said this during many coffee conversations, one of the huge problems that I see in the United States of America is we don't teach history. We teach a revisionist history, not a correct history. We don't teach European history. We don't teach international history. We don't teach international relations. And we don't teach civics and government. And if you teach those courses the way they're supposed to be taught, you learn about the various types of governments and political ideologies. You learn about capitalism. You learn about socialism. You learn about communism. You learn about Marxism. You learn about the different economies and how all those different political entities came about. And when you look at the communist structure, when you look at the Marxist structure, when you look at the socialist structure, to me, they're all the same. What you find is just like in every political establishment, there are the rich, elite, ruling class. And what they do is they enslave the public 
and they disarm them and then they own them. And that is exactly what they're trying to do. And they take God out of everything. So here's a little tiny microcosm of that, which we just talked about, which Mario Cuomo is just complaining about. Oh my gosh, I've instigated all of these taxes on all of these people and they left. People who have the talent to make money will go where that talent is welcome, wherever that is, whether it's in the United States or elsewhere. They will not put up with this. They will leave. It will leave everybody else in a lower tier. And I was so surprised to hear Mario Cuomo actually admit this because you know what it tells me? I mean, he's such a dyed-in-the-wool Democrat liberal. For him to actually admit this, that they were wrong, tells me just how scared and desperate they are. Oh, they're they're big time out of money. And I think, and let me say one more thing. I also think when when he started dumping on uh, you know AOC mm-hmm. for for and, and some other liberal, well, and also uh, people within his own yeah, yeah, yeah council city, people yeah, and mm-hmm. the city government for literally chasing Amazon out of there. That just shows me how factionalized the Democratic Party is, at least in New York. Well, it is. And, you know, what What this tells me is that we seriously need to know who we are voting for in this country and stop blindly voting along party lines. The only guy, in my opinion, that's trying to fix this whole thing for our country is President Trump. He gets it. And he says that we will never be a socialist country, at least not under his watch. So I hope that he stays in there for a long time. You know, the thing, Ron, about the schools that you were talking about is so true, and I harp on that a lot. If I could give Americans a gift, if I if it was within my power to give them a gift, I would give them, honestly, conservative teachers that will go back to the basics of teaching our students the things that they need to know to keep America great and make a better life for everybody. And you know, if I was going to do that as an old teacher, I would give them the gift of honest education. How about our last cup of coffee? You got it. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa. Award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. Got the hot coffee right in front of me. Yep, and we're ready to go. So I want to talk about Ilhan, no, Omar. What's her name? (laughs) Omar. (laughs) You don't even know her name. (laughs) It's a tough one. Ilhan Omar. I was right to start with. Um, These Somali names are a little rough. I mean, I'm going to give you credit for that. 
this is another person of what were the people in Minnesota thinking, but I actually understand what they were thinking because they have a huge Somali population well, that's there in Minnesota. Her, that's her demographic, was the Somali community in her district, which is not a very big district. And, you know, here's a big surprise. They all voted for her. Yes. Well, and who knows if the people uh, that are not Somali in that area uh, got out and voted. That may have made the difference. But here's the thing. You've got to know who you're voting for. And this person, to my mind, is really dangerous to America. She is considered actually by many other Muslims in America to be uh, a problem child for them, that she's um, not doing their religion any good and not doing our government any good. But one thing that I just saw, Ron, that is really upsetting to me is that she is raising money for CARE, which is you know, really been said to be a terrorist organization. No, right. And care is not the care that people think about, okay? Care, you know, the ones that, in other words, take care and send packages to, no, no, no. to impoverished country of food it's and It's the Council like on American-Islamic Relations. Thanks thanks for, you know, making that, that present. But listen, you know, and, and not so that people look at this type of conversation and say, well, these people are anti-Muslim and they're they're xenophobes and, you know, all these different uh, derogatory terms that they call anybody that would criticize a person who just happens to be Muslim. That's not where you're coming from. Well, no, we actually have some very good friends who are Muslim. That's exactly. not, That's not an issue. And that's my point. The issue is, why do you think she's dangerous? I think she's dangerous because she's raising money to support a terrorist group in Hamas. And she is also really talking against one of our biggest allies and of whom we are an ally. Who is Israel. And she's extremely anti-Semitic. And she's been called out on her anti-Semitism and her hate by Nancy Pelosi, who I'm sure is shaking in her boots now that Omar is now one of two of the Muslim uh, freshman congresswomen there. You know, I take it a bit further. Just take a look at the dink here, okay? And, you know, cops hate coincidences. They're the, the largest number of people who have left the United States or attempted to leave the United States to go fight for ISIS, who is our enemy, and this is sedition, this is traitorous, all come from her district. Yes. Okay, 22 Somalis from her district have attempted, either gone uh, to, to countries like Syria and gone to the Middle East to fight for ISIS or have attempted to do so and have been arrested. What are the chances of that? Now, well, sure. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to associate her with that. Okay, and say that she's hooked in with terrorists and people with terrorist organizations, but she is doing everything she possibly can to support organizations that are known to, you know, have terrorist ties. Well, absolutely. And the chief executive director for CARE, um, who's hosting the event that she is raising money for and speaking at, has repeatedly called our U.S. Armed Forces radical terrorists. There you go. This is the type of people that these are. And and this is the type of people Mm -hmm. that she is supporting, that her voters put her in office. She's, She's supporting. She's earning money for them. She is criticizing Israel. 
Uh, CARE is a very pro-Palestinian organization with ties to Islamic terror groups. So how, you know, how do you not associate them? It's not somebody I would go speak for. So, you know, you, you kind of are who you hang out with. Now, you know, make no mistake, she's got the freedom of speech, but it's who you associate with that counts. She did not come into her job for one moment since she has been elected to do the work of the American people. Every single thing she has done has been against the American people, for uh, our enemies. Against uh, um, President Trump. Against President Trump. And this is not a person that we should have elected to represent us. Did you see her in that recent hearing where, and and I can't remember, I can't remember what the uh, political appointee's name was, but he has a long history of uh, governmental service uh, going back to the Reagan administration. Darn it, I can't remember his name. But she took this guy on in this oh, hearing, yeah, uh-huh. and you thought that this was a, an inquisition. I've never heard such disrespect, such... Uh, you know, to anybody, these are people that don't need this job, okay? These are people that have done government service, and they're not politicians trying to basically screw the American people and make as much money for themselves and their relatives as they possibly can. These are people that did our country a service, and she treated this man like he was nothing but garbage, because and he was, in fact, the enemy of the United like States. She doesn't like America as it is. She well, wants no. to change it. And she has said and stated out loud that the Republican support for Israel is bought and paid for by the American Israel Public Affairs Committee. And, you know, she got a lot of flack and and kickback for that. So she sort of apologized, but not really. And she complained about the lobbyists, but she, you know, against things that Republicans are for, like the National Rifle Association. But she doesn't complain about the the uh, lobbyists for things that are like for Palestinians. So she's very one-sided. It's very, very self-evident. This is what we absolutely do not need in America at all. And this this woman, I think, is dangerous for us, and I think she's dangerous for America. And, and you know what? Let me just say something, because it goes back to something that I harp on uh, all the time, and, and that is... The, the United States of America and the State Department, we make a huge mistake when we bring people into this country that are unvetted and they have no education, they have no job skills. We pull them apart from their family and their social and their cultural ties in their own country. We bring them here when they have almost got near zero opportunity to advance in the United States because they can't speak the language, they don't have any education, they don't have any job skills. Then what we do is we spend about $79,000 per person in entitlements, in government subsidized, in Section 8 housing, in EBT cards, in free education, in free health care, to try to move these people forward, and they do not assimilate. They remain encapsulated in these small communities. They never venture out. They never get the education. They never acquire the job skills, and they just auger in. And when they do that, it makes them rife 
for radicalization. Yes. And that's what's happened in the profiles of these people that have, in her district, that have left the United States to go fight foreign wars on behalf of our enemy. Yes. Okay, that's what's going on. And how stupid are we? Well, there there is a lady uh, who wrote an article. This lady, her name is Quanta Ahmed, and she is a Muslim, and she is serving within the University of Southern California Shoah Foundation. Okay, and what I really like about what she wrote is she said that uh, the American Congresswoman Omar and Representative uh, Rashida Tlaib are among the most American, I'm sorry, the most empowered Muslim women in the world at this point because they are in our Congress. And they represent and influence domestic and international policy. And that these women are an embarrassment to the Muslim uh, population. And and that they should not be on the committees that they are on. And that's exactly my point. So this is not... What we are talking about is not some sort of xenophobic conversation. The people who are Muslims in her own community are saying that these women are an embarrassment to Muslims. And they do nothing to move uh, American-Muslim relations closer. Okay. As a matter of fact, it's the opposite. It tears them asunder, and it gives it gives Americans a feeling of suspicion against Muslims. Well, as yes, it absolutely does, and that's exactly her point to her article. And she says, at the very least, that her ejection from the House Foreign Affairs Committee is warranted because her approach to Middle Eastern policy is contaminated by anti-Semitism and cannot be considered in America's interest. That's exactly right. So what is she doing on the Foreign Affairs Committee when she is so extremely anti-Semitic? But this is politics and this is Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer's fault because I think that Nancy Pelosi is scared of these women and wants to, you know, make nice with them and offers them a little political plum if they will, you know, get along, you know, what, what's the term? Get along get, to go along. Yeah, go along to get along or something. But then they turn around and they stab Pelosi in the back. But this okay. is just baloney because also both Omar and Tlaib, Tlaib who is Palestinian-American, they have publicly affiliated with uh, the Boycott, Divestment, and Sanction Movement, which is called BDS, right. which seeks to expunge all international engagement with Israel, including even academic and medical settings. But you know what, Linda? About 99% of the American population is not as well-read as you are, or even or me and, and many of our friends. They just watch CNN, they watch NBC, they watch MSNBC, they listen to idiots like Acosta, and... And, and they just, you know, that's the uh, what they watch. And so they never get educated. They never know the intelligence, the nuances, and things that people like you and I, who are patriotic Americans, we take the time to research this stuff because we want to know what's going on in our country because we care so deeply about it, as do our friends. Well, I... I my bottom line, Ron, is that these two women are dangerous for America. So Jesse Smollett, an actor, is walking down the street in Chicago late at night, and he files a police report and says he was attacked by two white guys, and there's a rope around his neck, 
And he says he, some of, they poured a chemical on him, like bleach, and they yelled racial slurs and homophobic slurs. And they I think were, that they, they had MAGA hats or something Right, on they him. said they were like Trump, Trump people. Yeah, they were MAGA hats. Yeah. So okay. everybody jumped on the bandwagon, Ron, and, and everybody was out, you know, completely calling this racist and homophobic. Uh, Ocasio-Cortez said it was racist and homophobic. Kamala Harris said it was a modern-day lynching, along with Cory Booker, her clone, who also said it was a modern-day lynching, for which they've not apologized. And what do we find out now? Well, I think Chicago PD, by the way, they put hundreds, if not thousands, of man-hours into this investigation. So, you know, it's so high-profile and everything, the guy being a Hollywood actor, that they needed to get to the bottom of it, especially when you have two presidential candidates and a sitting congresswoman that are, you know, accusing, you know, us of, of lynching this guy, all right? So Chicago PD... Uh, starts looking at CCTV cameras all over the place. Right after this guy said that he got, you know, beat up and lynched, they find him walking down the street eating a Subway sandwich just as happy as a a clam. That's what they see on the video cameras, right? They can't find any suspects in any of the CCTV. They can't find him getting assaulted on any of the CCTV. Turns out it happened. Okay, so he's, he's saying this was a homophobic racial attack Turns out in his own neighborhood is half gay and mostly black. So, you know, who came into that neighborhood to beat him up? They can't find uh, any suspects. And so now they've changed his classification and they removed the victim classification from Smollett. Okay, and now they're looking at him sort of like a perp. Well, what they did actually see on the video cameras was two guys two black guys in the neighborhood. They located those two black guys who were from Nigeria who seem to now admit that this was a setup and that they're the ones that that were paid off or told to to so-called attack him, but they weren't white guys as Smollett accused. Right. Well, let me tell you, when they got those guys in the interview, they got enough probable cause to write a search warrant went to one of those guys' house in the search warrant and found a receipt for the rope. And then this all proceeded, by the way, a week or so before, Linda, I don't even know if you know this, that he reported that he had received a threatening letter and nobody paid any attention to it. And apparently it was some sort of threatening letter that was cut out of a magazine. Oh. They found the magazine oh. <laughs> at the, where the receipt was for the rope in one of these guys' houses. So now they're looking at it as a false report, which is a misdemeanor, and can conspiracy to you know report a false misdemeanor is in fact like in a lot of states conspiracy to commit a misdemeanor is in fact a felony and i believe a grand jury is going to be impaneled yes but what about a hate crime here because he he blamed white trump supporters for doing this and there was no such thing now let's take the reverse of this ron if this had been a a white guy who was attacked by black guys, we, the white guy would still be accused of, you know, racism. Here we are. We have a black guy accusing white guys. There was no such thing that happened. Where is the outcry? These people, these people, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, 
Nancy Pelosi, Maxine Waters are not apologizing for what they said. Well, I don't think you're ever going to see him apologize. You might see him backpedal a little bit and re- and rephrase the language. But and, and I kind of like your idea about this being a hate crime. But here's the problem, the legal problem, and I don't pretend to be an attorney, but I, I play one on uh, a thread of evidence. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But uh, you have to have a victim in order to have a hate crime. Right. And that's I a agree. general, and we don't. just throwing it out there, there's no real victim. So they can't prosecute him on hate crime. But you know what they can prosecute him for? They can prosecute him for the, the false report. They can prosecute him for the conspiracy to commit a misdemeanor. And they can fine him uh, for all of the, I'm sure, tens of thousands of dollars. Of police work. And police work and overtime sure. that it cost for the... Uh, Chicago Police Department uh, to investigate this case. Yeah, but you know, I mean, it's just it's it's very insulting that somebody could do this um, and and blame Trump supporters. I'm so sick of Trump supporters getting blamed for everything. Hey, I want to tell you a little story that just happened. Okay, go ahead. So on Twitter, this man James Gagliano wrote a tweet. And I just loved it. It said, just happened in East Texas. Texas DPS officer stopped a guy. The the officer says, stopped you for speeding, license and registration. Mr. Gagliano said, yes, sir. And so, so you know, I'm retired law enforcement, have a weapon on me. The officer said, so do I. And this is Texas. Everyone has a weapon on them. License and registration, please. <laughs> I, said, I had a tweet back and say, and we just love it this way. <laughs> hey, are you ready for bed? I am. Me too.